Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Property Duo. James, this is actually the last episode in this season, right? So, 10 of 10, baby. 10 of 10. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about, I suppose, side hustles and you know, running a business alongside your job, or, or you could say maybe running um, two businesses. But you know, the person we're going to speak to, Faith, has a day job in property, actually, but also a business in property. So if you are considering doing both, this is going to be really important for you because, you know, me and James are both full time. Obviously, we have other business, other investments, other interests. But James, I don't know about you, but when I was working in my business or in my contract trying to do property at the same time. And I was, you know, freelance. I I was quite flexible. was very, very difficult. Have you ever done a a serious crossover? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. So I I ran my full-time business and then alongside it, I was always dabbling in property. I've mentioned this before. And like you say, yeah, it is, um, it is difficult, man. It's not, it's not easy. I think there are certain people that do it really, really well. There's certain people that can plan stuff, um, one being our friend Safe, who does it really, really well, has everything planned, and he demonstrates how he can be a family man, he can be a full-time employee for someone, a property developer, and a project manager now, and he runs a clothing brand. So I think there are some people that can do it really, really well, but a lot of sacrifice I know he puts in with his family and his you know time with his little one. But I think, yeah, you can't look at it lightly, you know, especially when you're dealing with a refurb and you're trying to work at the same time because you owe a certain amount of time to your employer because you're contracted and you're being paid. So you're exchanging, you know, your time for your money and all that. But at the same time, your mind is on your project. So you're trying to juggle the two together. So I don't think it's something that can be looked at lightly. And if you are in that situation, you really need to be thinking about it and planning it and really kind of forecasting how you're going to do it. I agree. I think I just found it was it was too difficult, you know, especially investing 150 miles from home. It was just like, well, you know, yeah, I can do Saturday viewings. They're a bit crap. I can go up for a day. You know, what? I think it just took too much planning. It didn't suit my my approach and my mindset. And physically, it wasn't possible. Like, you know, you know, someone locally would call and say, can I view a property today, tomorrow? Yeah, of course you can. Oh, can I view it on Saturday? Yeah, of course you can. Bloody, you know, Wednesday comes, high tech has been sold. And that ha- and it still happens and it, it would happen so much. And I would just think, yeah, this isn't working. And I couldn't come up every Saturday. And I didn't, to be honest, I didn't want to either, you know, because I was working full time. And then I was like, Ugh, you know, like I get the hustle and I get all that stuff. But I just thought, you know what? It's so much easier if I just quit and do it separately. But you know what? And you, were, you know what? You didn't have a project manager or anybody at that time, was it? It was just you on your own, lonesome doing this, right? Yeah. And I mean, it has been for kind of most of it, I suppose. Obviously now I'm not, you know, now I'm, I would say I'm a remote investor. I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, am I going to visit refurbs potentially? Am I going to get a trusted third party to do it instead? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, like I'm bidding on something in auction today, actually watching it. I haven't been there. Am I going to go there before it gets let if I win it? <laughs> no, because this one, this happens to be a straightforward refurb. Um, and I think, 
well, obviously it takes time to get to that stage. It's very difficult to start, I think, um, unless you have the right people guiding you. But one thing w- w- which I suppose when I was, you know, in my recruitment contract, when I was technically nine to five working for someone else, I, because recruitment and sales is such a like numbers driven thing, it was quite easy for me to take calls during the day. It was quite easy for me to, um, you know, leave early or to be looking at property stuff because no one questioned it. Cause I would say, well, my figures are on the system. So if you want to question something, you can have a look and you can let me know how I'm performing. It wouldn't, I would never get to that. Cause my boss always said to me, Tej, so do what you want. Yeah. Just as long as you're hitting the numbers, as long as you're, you're hiring people and making the business function. And I was. So I think for certain people, it's easier when you're in a job that's, you know, like recruitment and sales, a little bit flex, it's a little bit kind of the attitude's different. Maybe it makes your life a lot easier because and I, I sort of try and say to people, look, if you're doing both, then somehow if your employer's OK with it, try and sort of say, look, here's my performance. It hasn't changed since I've been sort of doing property in my spare time and taking a few calls. It's the same. I'm still delivering. What's your problem? in a kind of polite mm-hmm. way. I think that's really important to kind of, in a sense, hold your ground and say, well, here's the evidence. Are you just hating on it? Cause you're just a shit manager and you don't get that, you know, we can do things at once and you're going to be in this job till you're 90. So, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of, yeah, I think you have to approach it in a certain way, but James, when you, when you're doing both of these things, I think you can face a lot of overwhelm, right? You've got job, business, family, cooking, cleaning, life, Recently, you had a bit of a, a bout with overwhelm, right? Oh, massively, mate, massively. Um, so, you know, you start the year off thinking, yeah, you know, 2021, yeah, this is going to be my year. But, you know, I don't, I try to keep it consistent throughout the months in, you know, the 12 months throughout the whole year. It's not just the hype for January and then it all kind of wears off. It's the hype for the whole year. But this January, I sat there. And I got things ready. I had my goal, reminded myself of my goals, made some tweaks, did a few little things that I needed to do. And then come the third or the second, sorry, the second or the third week in January, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed, man. I'm thinking, shit, I'm not getting stuff done. I wanted to devote this amount of time to social media. I wanted to devote this amount of time to recording some videos, etc. And I'm thinking, why the hell is this shit not happening? Why am I not getting it done? You know, I've got it here. I've punched it into my calendar. Why is it not happening? And you know what? It took a conversation with, again, I'm referring back to our, our guy Safe, who, who seems to be getting called up quite a lot in most of, most of the recordings we do now. Um, I reached out to him, you know, and I, and, I, and I explained to him what I was going through. And he made me do this brain dump exercise. So literally, he made me brain dump everything in my head. And he said, look, James, take 48 hours out and sit there on a Google Doc sheet uh, sorry, a Google Sheet, and split this into family, work, child commitments, property commitments, and get everything that's absolutely in your head ticking away out of your head, no matter how stupid it might sound like, you know, Gertie wants me to fix a tile in the kitchen. Now, that is that sounds stupid, right, in the grand scheme of things, but it's been there for six months. So he said any tiny little thing that needs to get done needs to come out of your head. So I listed it all, you know, repair repair the blind in my son's room, paint this skirting board, order the blinds for the HMO, every single thing, spend time with my mum, all of it. And you know what, Ted, when I got it down on paper, there was over 200 tasks, man, 200 (laughs) tasks. Then I went away and the next thing he said to me goes, look, now you need to start giving these a priority, you know? So 
you know the one that if it's important do it now if it's not delete it you know that little matrix that you get and you put it into certain Mm. parts of the matrix so i then went away and did all that and then i realized about 70 things on that list i had to park up and leave to the side because they was that was stuff that i was trying to introduce that was new but i it just it's stupid to introduce it because there's so much other stuff that needs to be done you know it's like i kind of compare it to like your stomach you know if your stomach is full or it's three quarters full you really can't put any more stuff in there until the other stuff has been released. Or it's Listen, been when done. you're eating smosse and alupronte, you always make room. You know, <laughs> there's always room. Calories don't count there. You know what I mean? Like, say, say you got a duffel bag and you're putting, or a black bag, you're putting rubbish in it, rubbish in it, rubbish in it, rubbish in it. It gets to a point where that rubbish is going to overflow. You can't do anything else, you know. And that is exactly what was going on with my mind. And I encourage people massively now do a brain dump. So I did this brain dump and now I've taken that brain dump and I've stuck it into Asana. I was a big Trello man, but I've been switched over to Asana now. I like Asana. Visually, I can see stuff. So now it's up to me to plug these tasks in and say, look, today, these 10 tasks are the most highest priority tasks and I need to focus on them. That's why over the last week I've been at the HMO because I know I need to get this finished because there's a knock-on effect if it doesn't get finished, you know. The construction guys have done what they can do. The builders have done. The painting's done. Now it's all that little eye for detail stuff that my builders don't want to do because they know, hands up, they'll get it wrong. They said to me, we might put it wrong. We might do this. So I know I need to complete this task so that this massive chunk of work on my board is signed off and there's a huge amount of relief for me. And the other thing I did, mate, Ted, I went and got my – I went to the dentist. You know, I I was – I've shared this with you before where I was talking about lots and lots of headaches going on. I wasn't getting a good night's sleep. My eyes were hurting. So all these little tasks that I was putting off, going to the dentist, I found out that I grind my teeth. I get a mouth guard and suddenly I'm sleeping seven hours a night. And I've never slept seven hours in my life in my life for the last 10, 15 years or whatever it is. I go to the opticians. I get my eyes checked. Another task that's been on my list for over a year. I find out that my glass, my, my prescription's actually gone down lower so that I don't need a higher prescription like I had before. And that was contributing to my, towards my headache. So it just goes to show, man, there was massive, massive overwhelm in my life. And I'm so, so glad that Safe took out time of his busy schedule and helped me identify this, man, because I feel like someone's lifted a massive pallet of bricks off my head. I feel mm. that I can breathe again. I feel that I can see everything, you know. Like you're always nagging me to get stuff done. And now I know it's on my Asana board and I know I need to get these things done. Whereas before it was just floating, 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 floating. So massive overwhelm, hugely, hugely beneficial, man. So yeah, so that was the little blip that I had. Yeah, I think it, it's good to share that because I think we, we all find ourselves in those situations at various points in our life. And sometimes it takes a third person or an event or for something to break you know, before you can realize that it needs to change, it needs to fix. And yeah, it's good you saw the dentist. He stopped texting me finally on your old phone. Um, seeing as you don't seem to change your number with your, I was like, why? I was like, why is this phone still working? Why Why am I getting birthday messages? Like, I was like what is going on? So this guy's giving me a full phone package, all the minutes I need. I was like, wicked. Um, for context, people, James get sent me an iPhone for Clubhouse. Um, we should, yeah, I think you do a podcast on Clubhouse, actually. But you know what, James, while we're here talking about overwhelm, I think 
there's a few things that come out of this for the people who are listening, apart from all the lessons there. And I, I suppose one is like focus. Now, I, I guess I want to make a point right now that when, when this comes out, it might be different. But right now in you know, early February, the property market is what I could describe as mash up. Everyone's overpaying for stuff. Things are going at their done up value when they need 40K worth of work, 20K a stamp duty, 10K of costs at auctions with agents. It, 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 people are buying refurbs when they could buy a done up property for the same price, less hassle, less cash, get a better return. It's a very weird space right now. And because of that, you know, I think a lot of us, especially if you're doing like BRRs and you're trying to get like BMV deals, we're struggling. So I suppose what I'm saying is we need to focus, but also in times like this, and I suppose this lesson is maybe this would have been really useful back in March if we'd known, um, like in times like this, when we are focusing on this, sometimes it's in our benefit to maybe be a bit realistic and not, oh my God, keep pushing, it's a numbers game. Be realistic and say, you know what? Can I find a bargain right now? Yes, I can. One in every 100. In a few months or maybe previously, you know, how often would I find a bargain? One in every 50. Mm. And look at those chances and say, well, hold on a minute. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can get a bargain, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, could I not have a side hustle? And that's what the podcast is going to be about with Faith. Could I not have a side business of some type that whilst property is a bit cray cray and, and just for life as well, I suppose, can I create another stream of income, get a VA? Yeah, I like that word, cray cray. Yeah. Um, you know, get someone, it's what the young people are saying, James, isn't it? Young people, didn't it? So I'll get a fax from you just saying cray cray shortly. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting time to like maybe look at doing something different or diversifying your income streams whilst property is harder at the moment of course if you're investing in different things that i am and of course it's going to be it's a different market for you but james i think some of the things people can look at are stocks and shares crypto um, oh this is not financial advice please seek professional advice um e-commerce james how big is amazon and how much bigger has it got in lockdown right like what what have we got everything from amazon amazon is crazy man let me tell you a story yeah just a little story and i'll keep it short when we were in print all those years ago, we set up Amazon stores, Ted, 10 years ago when it was so difficult. You had to have an Amazon store in Germany, France. You had to set ones up in all the different countries. And that back then, I'm talking back then, it was such a massive income generator for us. It was huge. You could charge a premium price for stuff. So imagine what it's like now when they've made it so, so, so easy. You know, there's fulfillment companies out there where say this is a product. Actually, no. Say this is a product I want to sell on Amazon, yeah? I buy a pallet of it and I just sell it to the fulfillment company. They send it to Amazon. They do everything for me. They ship it out. A bit like your your essay company that just gives you a statement at the end of the month with the amount of money you've made, you know? I think Amazon is a huge, huge platform right now. You know, and it's taken over the world, brother, and it is going to get even bigger. It's going to get even better. And I think there's opportunity for everybody to get on there and do something. You know, look at our boy, well, maybe not your boy, but look at Harks, who sells the gin accessories. You know, he started off very, very small, and he's killed it. You know, he's done a really good job. He's such a fantastic guy as well. He's on the 5 a.m. club. And that's another guy who's in property. He's learning about property. He's doing property deals, but then runs a massive business as well on Amazon. So I think 
Mr. Bezos and his crew have made it so, so easy for people that it's a no-brainer. If you've got a product and you're willing to give, I don't know, 15, 16% of the profits up, then it's a great platform, man. Definitely. It is. And, and you know, it, it, yeah, again, like anything, it's hard to do part-time. It's harder. It's more of a challenge. But we're in lockdown. You, know, you can't even go to the gym. You've got like an hour back every day. Um, you know, we are at home. A lot of people maybe aren't even going shopping. They're getting it delivered now. I mean, bloody hell, you know, technology is amazing. So we have, we, we tend to have, um, or I suppose this is dependent on your situation, but, you know, maybe more free time now to do something like this. And, you know, the e-commerce market is only going to get stronger because, you know, this virus, this cleanliness, all this kind of stuff and the laziness or efficiency, you can call it, it's always going to continue as it has done. And what this is what makes these companies so popular. And, you know, who would have thought like 10 years ago, you'd be buying clothes online without trying them on, without actually knowing how they look on you, but you would just, like it's, it's, and shoes and just different things where back in the day, you would never have done that. You'd have been like, oh, no, no, I need to go try it on. I need to be in the store. I need you to. You know what? For the first time in my life, I bought glasses online. And, you know, it's from a company in the Far East in China. And the service was fantastic. You know, it takes, you, you just look into the camera, Ted. All the glasses you can try on, you can see how they fit on your face. Oh, AR, and they're a like fraction. And they're a fraction of the cost. I bought a pair of glasses with blue tints and everything. Connor. Oh, gangster blue tints, no, no, man. No, no, to keep the To keep the light off the screen <laughs> on my old eyes. <laughs> 23 pounds delivered from china okay that is incredibly now cheap. they look they look good they're obviously plastic and they're not as strong as say something that you might pay 100 150 pounds for but the fact of the matter is i've got the product that i need it allows me to see and it's just like what you said the world is changing this has come all the way from the far east you know and it's a superb product I mean, that's that's an incredible price. And yeah, you know, obviously you get what you pay for in terms of quality, but you you know, you're not paying very much at all. So to get an actual pair of glasses for that is is bloody cheap. Um, and again, mm. that shows you like there is such a strong market here that people could be capitalizing on or people could be getting into, which like think about it, you know, the money from it can go into buying property. If you can make five, ten K a month from you know some other business. Are you telling me that, you know, being an entrepreneur, being in property, you're not going to get that and put it straight into a buy to let deposit. You, you ain't going to get no car or no new kitchen. You know, yeah, you're putting it straight into a deposit to then generate you 25% or whatever back on that money. And, you know, just, I suppose, whilst I'm saying focus, I'm also saying be realistic about the situation and your situation. And actually people who are new to property, who haven't, you know, got a property and maybe don't have the cash to do it, well, yes, you can save. Yes, you can work in your job. But as Gary Vee like, always says, man, just you got to hustle, man. Like have, a, you know, have a second business, have something that can generate cash that you can then put into property, right? You know, we had TJ on the podcast. How much do you need to start a rent to rent? Three grand, five grand. Now, you know, you telling me you can't get that from buying and selling some stuff, car boots, Ebays, things like that. I don't know. So there's something to be said there, people, for, you know, don't get overwhelmed. If you do break it down, work it out, have a brain dump, take some time out. Um, and I think James, you know, Google and other companies do this thing where I think they give 20%, I think it is of all like working paid time. They say to them, just, just do what you want. Like literally go sit in a room, go meditate, go play with Lego, 
go for a hike, go do whatever you want for 20% of your paid working time, because they know that time off allows them to rejuvenate, not be overwhelmed and focus their ideas and learning. And they usually come back with some, you know, fix for Google Maps or some incredible. You know what, Ted? We, we spoke about this before. Just taking five minutes out to go and appreciate nature. You said this before when you go out and just take a walk or you walk outside, you just get some fresh air. How it, how it makes you feel when you come back to the task. So these guys, they must feel amazing. You know, obviously going away from the desk environment, going away from the coding environment, going away from all those people just to go and, I don't know, maybe shoot some basketball hoops or go and play a bit of golf or crazy golf or go down some crazy slide in a park. It can really just change it up. So yeah, no, man, I'm all for that. I think, I think what Google do there is, is good. Sweet. Um, cool. So do we have our esteemed guest with us? We, we certainly do. I'm about to admit her now. Hello. So Faith, look, we are talking about side hustles slash, you know, having a day job and working you know, in your property business or in a business. Can you give people a bit of context as to, I suppose, how that applies to you and what you do in both frames so we can set the scene? Um, okay, cool. So I have a full-time job. Um, I work as a development manager for a a large regeneration developer. Um, so I manage a scheme where we're delivering a thousand plus new homes. Um, so that's property development sort of daytime. Um, and then I've got my quote unquote side hustle where I'm looking for opportunities sort of outside of work for my personal you know, use, whether that's buy to let, development opportunities, that kind of stuff. And I think it's it, it's funny you ask this question because li- li- this morning someone commented on um, the your post, Tej, where like two years ago when I was on your podcast um, and they said, I've oh, just listened to this, amazing. And I had even forgotten that I'd done that podcast with you. And it took me back to, I think in that um, podcast, I said, I'm leaving my job April 21, was it? I think Mm. April 21, I'm going to go full-time, self-employed, you know, jump into it. Um, And now, having everything that's passed and happened... um, you got two months. Well, (laughs) I'm now, I've now flipped. I'm now advocating to people not to necessarily leave their jobs. Um, You know, it's not... Sometimes it works if you're the kind of person like yourself, James or, or Ted, who are just like, you guys, I don't know how you guys do it. You're like, oh, like 120% all the time. I just, sometimes that just isn't possible for some people. Um, sometimes you need that income coming in. So if you can place yourself within the role that you can be an entrepreneur almost. So if you can get yourself a role where it's flexible, you can maybe work from home, you can manage your hours accordingly. There's no reason why you can't be having a, a salary or income coming in whilst you're pursuing certain um you know, property strategies for yourself. Um, particularly if you are going down the development route, as you guys will know, you know, you're basically shelling out cash for two, three years um, until you yeah. sell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're skint. So, um, you know, I don't want to advise anyone to put themselves in serious amounts of debt. So any, any way that you can have some income coming in is actually a good thing. So I think sometimes this hustle culture is glamorized um, and people don't often talk about you know the down bits and stuff yeah i agree with you i think especially on social media and now even more so with like clubhouse or crack house or people are calling it um 
it's so easy to just hear someone. Yeah. I'm a seven figure entrepreneur. Since I was 16, I had eight <laughs> businesses and you know, blah, I work with you. It's like, shut up. He's American. Mate, you're so real. Okay. You're real was insane that you did on that. It was just <laughs> it's, so on point. <laughs> it's so true. It's all you bloody hear is so irritating. I just sit in rooms for clout now and put myself on mute. Don't listen to anyone. But, um, but I think that's an interesting point there, Faith, because yes, not everyone wants to go 120% and that's fine. Like you don't need to, um, and not, and, yeah people don't think about the salary point um and even with buy to let it's still like a six month you know kind of thing from legals refurb refinance so you actually make 300 quid a month profit you still need six months of savings for one bleeding buy to let and yeah people don't think about that but from your experience then like how have you balanced you know working nine to five job in the city with like having your own like property business like what tips and tricks can you give to balance both (laughs) um use your use every down quote unquote downtime that you have um so when I was commuting into work um in my last role um I like in the mornings on the train I'm, I'm looking through right move scrolling through right move trying to find deals, going through agents and stuff. I didn't go down the whole kind of direct to, to vendor route because I just didn't have the time or even the, the budget to to do that. Um, I had a guy basically doing my viewings for me. I was paying him like seven quid an hour to do, to do the viewings on my behalf. Um, he'd WhatsApp me the images and then I'd put in my offers. Um, and similarly, now I've got someone else um, sort of analyzing the deals for me as they come through so we've got agents sending me you know potential land deals and then I've taught my my gal now um how to kind of analyze and do a quick development appraisal and she runs in if it if it if it works then we put an offer in and just keep it moving that way um so yeah there's a lot of like early mornings lunch times evenings weekends um you just got to slot it in where you can did you just say you've trained a VA to do a development appraisal for you yeah and uh, you know what i think a lot of people so developments are, are in, of course way more complex than you know buy to let or flip a lot of people would say oh, i'd never trust someone like you know on even on a buy to let level to do how could they analyze a deal how, but you've taught someone to do a development appraisal i mean t- talk me through how you ensured that was done because i think it's a lot simpler than people think oh it's it's very simple <laughs> it is like at the end of the day, all you're looking at, you've got to get your GDV minus your potential costs, minus your profit. And then that arrives, like gets you to the land value. Or if you're trying to offer a land value, you flip it on its head. So to get to the land value, you'd be trying to hit a certain profit level. So I've got both of those appraisals already set up on my Google sheet. Um, and so I just told her, this is how you go look for GDV, which is just comps, you know, right move, sold evidence, um, speaking to agents plug that in we i'm i would make the assumption so if i'm looking at a, a plot of land depending on the square footage i will assume okay maybe i can get two three flats on there um you know use the minimum space standards from the government website to kind of just allocate and just be like okay let's assume six units three one beds three two beds she goes off finds the comps plugs in the gdv i have a rough understanding or idea of what build costs would be so you apply you know, generic, I know, 250 pounds a square foot. Um, and then, and then everything else just kind of comes out. And then if the little profit thing shows, you know, 25% plus, 
I might put an offer in. So it's it's not that hard. Um, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around it. At the end of the day, you've got you yeah, just got to run the numbers and, and put keep keep putting offerings in. So you know, you know what it is. I'm sorry, Ted. I think a lot of people get mistaken when they think VAs are just there for silly admin tasks. You know, we've all got VAs that we work with, and I'm they're, they're really clever people. You know, they're not stupid at all. Some of the things that my VA does for me, or in fact, she now does bits for Ted as well. Um, she's very, very clever and she's very adaptable and she's very, you know, you can teach her new skills and she picks it up really, really well. And I think a lot of people are missing a trick here where they're just using them for, oh, you know what? I'm just going to use them for boring admin tasks. I think there's a lot more to them and they're very, very loyal people, very, very clever people. I mean, my VA has login passwords for a lot of my personal stuff that even my family members don't know about, you know, because she does a lot of stuff for me. And it's got to that point where I think you can train them to do so much more for you. So sorry, Ted, I just wanted to interrupt you there on that point before you carry on. No, that's a, that's a really good point there. And uh, what I was going to say, Ted, is it, it sounds like you've done something very efficient here, which is, you know, obviously your time is taken up, you're in your day job, but as you're literally working, as you're, you know, getting a salary and in doing your day job, you've got VAs, you've got systems set up that are then, allowing you to run that property business effectively without you necessarily kind of being there with your own time. So the physical setup is really smart there. What about like the sort of mental headspace thing? Like, you know, when you're at work, are you thinking about the business? You know, when you're at the business, are you still sort of in, like, how do you split or not split and balance the kind of mental headspace? Um, to be completely honest, I don't think that <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not, I can't split the two. It's always kind of going, cause I'll, I'll maybe be in a work meeting and something will come up that'll trigger something. I'll be like, Oh, actually we need to consider this in something else that I'm looking at. You, like, so it, it kind of merges into one and I kind of let it, um, because it, it kind of all feeds into itself. I'm, I'm fortunate that my job is development. So it kind of all, it all helps each other really. Um, but sometimes you can get really stressed when, you know, you're trying, um, yeah, you just got to figure out where to prioritize and where to put your focus. But for me, I just kind of let my mind run wild. It's probably not and a good do, thing. Do your workplace sort of comment that you're doing stuff separately? What, their, what are their thoughts and feelings on it? I mean, I don't know who's li- who'll be listening to this, <laughs> but um, they, I mean, they haven't commented. Um, I don't know if they know what I'm doing in my personal life. Um, at the end of the day, it's, you know, my personal life, I'm not, it's not like I'm taken away from the business, the core business. Like obviously my priority is to my day job and getting, making sure that we are hitting our targets and getting planning and whatnot and construction continues to run. Um, so everything that I do, I'm doing it in my own time. And that's why I, you know, block out sort of points in my day to say, you know, the hour that I get for my lunch break, that hour I'll be focusing on my own stuff. So you know, if they want to say something, they can say something. But at the end of the day, I think if you make yourself indisposable in terms of like so good at your job that regardless of what you're doing, they're not going to let you go, then you you basically have all the leverage essentially. Yeah. That's what kind of me and James were saying before you came on is that if you got the performance, you can say, well, who cares what I'm doing? Like my time, <laughs> look what I'm doing for you. Like kind of, yeah. it makes sense. 
Do you think that might be an obvious question, but do you think that doing it, you know, part time, so day job and property business, do you think the property business will grow slower and scale slower than it would if you were full time? I think so. Yeah. But I've seen people do it and manage to scale relatively quickly. Um, I think it just all depends on you. And when I first started, when was it like three, four years ago? I did feel that pressure to like, oh my gosh, you know, Ted is getting 15 in nine months. And, <laughs> you know, you, 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 sometimes you'll see social media, but like, oh my God, this person's doing that. And this, but you just have to like shut those people out and just think, you know, you're on your own journey. You know what works for you. Um, I would definitely advise people to speak, like understand what your time horizon is. Like the same way if you're investing in stocks and shares and, and things like that, the first question that your I don't know, wealth manager or financial advisor will ask you is what's your time horizon? And if you're if you're someone like me that I'm not in a rush, like I know in maybe 10, 20 years, I want to be in a position where, you know, I'm getting regular passive income. Someone else might say, actually, I need that in five years. So depending on your time horizon, it's going to, what how many properties you buy or what you do, um, will be dictated by that. So yeah, try not to, if you, if you need to scale fast, scale fast, um, and, and put yourself in a position where you, where you can do that. So you might need to leave your job potentially. Um, but there's no reason why you can't scale whilst working full time. Cool. What would your advice be to somebody who's there thinking, you know what, I've I've got this full time job it's taken up a lot of my time, but my passion is I really do want to go into property. You know, I really do want to get this done. For someone who's done it, what would be, you know, like a hot tip for them or something? If their if their job currently is not property related, I mean, one option could be to change into a professional property job and then still do your side stuff or leave completely and go straight into property, but find a way to be getting a salary. So, for example, you could almost if you're doing a development, you could work a project management fee into the numbers so that you're getting a, a regular salary, like a monthly salary, let's say, I don't know, two grand, three grand a month um, to project manage that long-term development. So that that's an option. Am I right in saying when you got into this game, you actually worked for an estate agent for free, right? Oh yeah, that was ages ago. Yeah. Um, that was my first ever like property related job. Um, that was when I was at uni um, and could afford to not be paid because <laughs> student finance. Um, yeah, no, I, I literally put myself out there. I was like, I just want to learn. Um, and this one small independent agency in Beeston, Nottingham, um, yeah, gave me gave me an opportunity. And I just moved my university schedule around um, to be able to just work there. And I'm still in touch with them now, actually. Um, Really, really lovely bunch of people. I was going to say, you know, you're kind of speaking about quitting your job and not quitting it and when is the right time and when isn't. I think this is a question that like everyone is always sort of asking. Everyone's always thinking about when they're in their job. I mean, what's your sort of, what's your philosophy? I know you said it's important to keep the salary, but what's your philosophy on when someone should quit their job and do property full time? I mean, they say once your side hustle eclipses your salary is usually a good time um other people say what like when you have sort of a six month run of expenses saved up is a good good time to potentially quit I'd, i don't think there is a right time um but there might be a right time for you when i was so this time last year i would i drafted my resignation letter i was going to hand it in i was going to leave 
um, the, the company I was at previously. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit, but um, I'd done that in the knowledge that I had at best 10 months of my expenses covered um, in savings. So I was like, okay, that's there. It gives me 10 months to kind of figure stuff out. But then obviously it's a pandemic. Um, and yeah, so that... I bet you're glad you never gave your notice in, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad because then I was getting paid not to work. Furlough was great. <laughs> I was like, yes, give me my money. Um, so that was great. And that's why I was able to be a lot more active last summer, like doing lives, just being more sort of present on Instagram, which funnily enough, literally just before I came on here, Shaz messaged me and was like, when's your next live? I've had like tons of people message me, like being like, I haven't seen you do a live in a while. What's going on? I'm like, oh, the pressures of a new job. But um, yeah, I need to, I need to get back on that actually. The people demanding. <laughs> yeah, Shaz is very good at holding people accountable these days, isn't he, Coach? Yeah, he is, definitely, he definitely is. So just going back to... Um where you said you made sure you had you sorry you think people should have enough money saved up or you know enough to um warrant their wage before leaving what would you say to people that say you know are living at home and they don't actually have much expense you know somebody could be living at home rent free they only actually need two or three hundred quid for their own kind of shopping or a few bits and bobs a mobile phone bill what would your advice be to somebody like that it's sim- still the same really because that that is my situation so I used to live at home granted I pay rent but not as much as I probably would if I was living in a flat somewhere in London um just work out what you would need or what you'd feel comfortable with in terms of emergency fund or buffer and then and then take the leap until you leap you're never going to know um it's hard to give advice when when you're someone that kind of just feels the fear and does it anyway what what, 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 what would you say you know I've got a mixed opinion on this I think there's um there's a lot of people out there that I've seen on Instagram or out in the social community that have just gone you know balls deep all guns in and just gone you know forget this I'm quitting my job I'm going I'm going to do this and I think a lot of those people had the old bounce back loan as well so they were like well hey I got some peas I'm going straight in um for me I realized that I needed to go all in with it because my projects were just, I couldn't, I couldn't do them as a side hustle. And even like Mm. setting up a HMO, I'd hate to think what it'd be like trying to do this alongside a job. You know, I was doing a few little contracting bits during uh, lockdown, helping a guy out with a few bits, a few little projects here and there. And now what I do is when an opportunity comes along where it's um, allows me to earn a little bit of extra cash and be a bit of a side hustle, I often go to my wife and I say, look, do you think I should take this on? And she's she's quite blunt. She's quite, you know, she will tell me straight and say, look, James, you've got this going on, this going on, this going on, this going on. Take it on, but then you're sacrificing time with your family, with your kids, with your wife, you know, with your mum. And then I start thinking, okay, you know what? So you just put this into context here because it's too easy just to overload your plate with lots of stuff. I think if your projects are big and you're dealing with stuff like, I don't know, like a new build, a HMO, especially a HMO, I'd go all in. You know, mm. I'd go all in because it's a small sacrifice. You've got to pay for a short period of time where you might not have no money. But once you've got the product cash flowing, and like you said before, if you can allow yourself or equate a little wage into it every single month, then before you know it, you're back to where you were. So you might have to take a, a short-term, short-term loss, a little bit of short-term pain for kind of long-term gain and, and some long-term wealth. 
So did you pay yourself on your projects? On my new build, I did, yeah. Yeah, I paid myself a small salary because I was, you know, at first I thought, you know what, I'm not going to pay myself something. But then I thought to myself, hold on a second, James, you're on this full time, man. You're traveling to South London every other day. You're spending a lot of time on this. So why shouldn't you be paid for it? Why are you not covering your travel? Why are you not covering your lunch when you're out there? Why are you not covering the coffees when you're speaking to builders? So yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It was only a small salary, but it was enough to cover me till the point of when we refinanced and a big chunk of money came in. So mm. now what I do is if I've got a project going on, like we've got these two HMOs starting up north, I will take a small chunk out of that money and have it aside for myself because that is my job, if you see what I mean. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I hadn't even thought about it. It was, um, who was it that mentioned it to me? Lorraine Thomas, when I was speaking to her, she was like, no, you should definitely pay yourself. <laughs> like, what? Um, and she's speaking from experience, having not paid herself and um, has just been having lots of issues with her development. So yeah, pay yourself first. Like obviously don't take tons, um, just take what you need. Yeah, I think yeah, also... I mean, there's that point of where you you know the, like you said both your your income from your side hustle eclipses the main one i think you could make me obviously the the income is important to live your life and you need you need it of course to pay your bills and all that stuff but i think there's also other points where say for example like your focus you know you lose interest in your day job you're not focusing it's probably time um you know and it could even be dictated by the business i mean you might start and think oh you know what do a couple of projects and then but actually you start and you're like oh wow i've just found four incredible deals i'm going to do them all yeah this job is not going to work and so it kind of shifts right so i think the baseline is having that money there but then even if you have it there like you you know maybe are in your situation you're still carrying on because you maybe you enjoy it or it works and it's you know consistent income but for some people they're going to be in that place but everything else is going to be in the business and it's just not going to work. And I suppose it's also unfair to the employer. Well, if they've treated you unfairly, then whatever, who gives a shit. But generally <laughs> speaking, like if someone did it to you when they worked for you, you'd kind of feel some type of way as well. So I think there's levels yeah. just to add to what you said before. Yeah. I think, no, you, that- I think you, sorry, I think you raised some good points there, Ted, you know, especially about focus and being good to your employer, because, you know, I had a, I had a short period where I was employed by someone while I was doing a property project. And, It's bad. You know what? It's really bad when your main focus is all on the property and these guys are paying you a six-figure salary, covering expenses, and they're thinking you're doing a great job for them where deep down you actually feel guilty. If you're a person who cares, you actually feel guilty and you think, nah, this is wrong. I can't be taking this guy's money every single month and I ain't actually doing shit all or I'm doing very, very small to warrant this huge paycheck or I'm sitting there having lunch with a construction company and I'm putting it through as an expense on the other company, you know? <laughs> so it gets to a point where you think, nah, 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 nah. There's a lot of ruthless people that would do that. So I think it's good where you say, well, if the focus isn't there and if you're not giving your employer that exchange for value, then it's time to just say, you know what, listen, mm. I'm so sorry. I need to go and I need to move on and do my own shit. Yeah. And, it, and it's the same if you're not focusing all your energy on, on your business as well. So you know, it's, it, it works both ways. You're almost being, you're, you're not, you're basically detrimenting yourself as well. If you're still kind of having to, part of your headspace is having to focus on your employer and what you're doing for them. Um, yeah, I t- totally agree with that. I think 
one thing I, I picked up earlier is obviously you're paying people to do viewings, you're paying a VA. This is not, you know, bank busting money, but I mean, let's say you were doing um, the buy refurbish finance model and you need to do 50 viewings to get one accepted. That's 50 times, you know, seven pounds an hour ish, you know, that it builds up. And of course it's not as much as paying a deal source. So it's not as much as maybe you even doing it yourself would cost. But I think for people listening, if you're going to outsource, if you're going to do both at the same time, like we said earlier, you potentially will grow slower. But I think something that maybe, depending on your, you know, people's schedules, which is maybe non-negotiable, is you are going to spend more money because you're going to be paying people to do stuff that you don't have the time to do. So mm. it's another consideration that if you're doing both, you may need to spend more money. But I suppose you have a salary that then covers it, right? So it exactly. Kind of works out. Exactly. You've got the salary to cover it. Um, oh, there was, a, I was, there was a point I was going to make. Completely slipped my mind. Oh, I was going to make the point that um, it, in my case, I'm, I've moved into a role where I'm basically being paid to learn all the stuff that I would need to be doing on my own projects, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, granted it's, you know, a 50 million pound project and, and, and what profit, but uh, in terms of like profit and stuff, but like, you know, when, when I don't get planning or when, um, you know, stuff happens, you know, site messages me to say, Oh, you know, we're going to be delayed by X, you know, I'm obviously annoyed because I'm like, I might not get my bonus this year if we don't meet that, um, payment deadline. But at the same time, I'm like, thank goodness it's not my money. Um, so there is, there is an element if you are looking to go into property and start working, you know, for someone else, you can learn, under someone else's time and money um so yeah that's an important point to make i think awesome some great stuff there faith thank you so much um we're going to end it off there i think you've uh you've delivered some value as always and especially um with the side hustle and you know you were the number one person that stood out for me and tedge when we were looking at someone to get on here for side hustles to speak to and i think you've delivered as you always do how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you outside of this uh, podcast at the property hustle on Instagram. Just drop me a DM. And you're going to be back with your life soon, like you said. Yes. I'm and you're quitting to your that. job in two months. <laughs> <laughs> After the bonus, isn't it? You've got to get the bonus. Come to the <laughs> bonus Technically, I'm still season. in my probation period, so they might even quit me. So. <laughs> oh, well, well, well let's, hope, let's hope not. Fingers crossed. Amazing. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.